need a place to sit down. We are excited that you're here. This is our uh, fifth birthday as a church, and we've got... Woo! Everybody say, happy birthday, NLCC! Woohoo! We're going to talk about that. Uh, we got a different type of service today, uh, celebrating that, and then you can tell most of us are dressed to go to the lake. Those who, of us who have faith are dressed to go to the lake. Uh, those who have no faith are saying it's going to rain, that it's going to rain. J- uh, Jamie, look how pretty she looks today. And she sa- I said, you're not dressed for the lake. She said, well, it's going to rain. So um, if it does... We just hope it doesn't lightning, thunderstorm, you know. I've been out there when, when we had to beach the boats and just wait out a storm, and hopefully that's all it is. A uh, couple of announcements. One is we <laughs> she has so much faith she's not going, and she tells us to be careful. Right, but uh, anyway, we'll, we'll go and we'll have a good time, and we'll try to cook in the rain if we need to cook in the rain, and we'll have a good time, make the best of it. A um, couple of announcements. One is in July, which is coming up so much faster than I had anticipated, uh, we are going to the Rangers game. Uh, we have 30 tickets for that. So we need you to sign up. That is on uh, Monday, July 20... Is it 22nd or 23rd? 23rd. We're going to the Rangers game. You are welcome to go to that. The, the tickets are $15. We are uh, on the first base side on the lower deck. Um, Good seats. We're better seats than we were last time. We can see the Jumbotron this time. Uh, we were hacked. You had to stand up to see the Jumbotron. But this time you can see the Jumbotron. We are also spending the night and going to Hurricane Harbor on Tuesday. Now, this is, this is a, a teenager youth trip, but anyone is welcome to go. And you can do one or both of those things. If you just want to go to the Rangers game, great. If you just want to go to Hurricane Harbor. But we need you to sign up back there so we'll know who's going to go with us and, and we can have an accurate count for that. Um, ladies Bible study meets on Tuesday nights at Kimberly McQuiston's house. Janie is, uh, leading that, been having a great time. They're studying, experiencing God, uh, it's at 630. More information, just to talk to Janie about that. Next week, we start our, um, summer blockbusters series, and we're going to have a good time with that. We're going to look at different movies. We're going to, uh, just, just have a lot of fun with our whole blockbuster series, and we want you to be here. We want you to bring a friend. The Bible is filled with, um, with stories of moral failures, right? We could sit around and we could, we could just come up, just rattle them off. You start with the first uh, folks who were, who were created, Adam and Eve, they failed. Uh, and you just go all the way through the pages of the Bible and it is filled with moral failures. And the thing that's interesting to me is that anytime you fail, anytime back then they failed in the Bible, it applies today. Anytime you fail today... You come to a fork in the road where you have two choices. One is you can humble yourself before God, before others. You can choose that path. And God does amazing things with people who come to, the, come to him and admit their mess-ups. He does incredible stuff against the backdrop of some of the most horrendous things you can imagine. God takes moral failures, humbles their heart, and works this miraculous thing, and they reach people for Christ, and they bring glory to God, and they build the church. Just incredible stuff, if you choose that road. But the Bible is also filled with stories of people who were moral failures. They chose the other road, which was, I'm turning my back on God. I'm going to walk further and further away from God. Those people's hearts got harder and harder, and that path leads to destruction. Destruction. 
Now, I've been, I've been in churches all my life. I've been a minister, a pastor for five years, <laughs> coincidentally, five years at this church. I was a youth minister for 19 years before that. Grew up in a Baptist church. And, and what I've discovered is through all those years, churches are real good at preaching this. Love the sinner, hate the sin. Real good at preaching that. You've probably heard it. But I've found very few churches who are good at putting that into practice. Our church was founded on the idea that we want to reach people who are far from God, help them connect with God and and with other people. Our church has always been honest about uh, we're sinners. I have been honest about I'm a sinner. I've never tried to put myself above anybody in this church. I may have a different role than you, but that does not mean that I'm different in God's eyes. I'm a sinner saved by grace. And I've shared stories with you, and, and you know, Alex has laughed. He said, you know, we ought to be, if there's ever a pastor we should be convinced of that's not perfect, it's you, because you tell us about it. You mess up all the time. Thank you, Alex. Um, and so we were founded on this whole idea of loving the sinner, hate the sin. Well, we have come to a point, a critical point in the life of our church, where, um, where some moral choices have been made that were flat out wrong. And, and what, we, what we need, about 50% of you here today know what's going on. About 50% of you don't know what's going on. Uh, today is not the time for us to talk about it. Next week we are going to come back and we are going to address the issue head on. If you came here and you have no idea what I'm talking about, yay, keep it that way for seven days. All right, don't try to discover what's going on. There is a, the leadership of the church, not just me, but the board, uh, some other men in the church. We are working through these issues, and we are attempting to do this God's way. And, and the point of confrontation, the point is always in the Bible, is always restoration. And so we have gone to these individuals, we've talked with folks, and, and we are working through the biblical process, but today is not the day for us to do that. We will, we will come back next week and we will address it and we are attempting to do everything God's way and we're asking you to trust not just me but the leadership of the church and not talk about this. Because when you talk about it, that steps into gossip and you, are, you have moved yourself into the area of sin. And we don't want to give Satan any more opportunity than he's already gotten to, to harm the church, to harm the individuals that are involved. So to protect the innocent... To protect the innocent and the guilty, we're, just, we're not prepared today to deal with the issue. So we're going to ask you to pray. If, if you're married, I think it's perfectly um, okay to talk to your spouse. If you know what's going on, you talk to your spouse, but you do that in the right spirit. Not in an accusatory manner. Remember that, that the biblical way is always restoration, and so we are working through restoration issues. And, and next week... We promise we'll come back, we'll address those things. Just remember that all of us are sinners saved by grace. And, and if we are going to err, we're going to err on the side of grace, but we also recognize that sin has consequences, and so we are going to deal with this. This is a serious issue, but God is in control, and we will be fine. Our church will be fine, these individuals will be fine if they choose the path of humbling, humbling themselves before God, it's all going to be okay. Now, with that introduction, let's have a birthday party. Um, 
God is bigger than our sin. And always, this is what I've discovered, every time I've followed God's instructions in the Bible, no matter how hard it was, every time God has honored that. And so I fully expect God to honor that this time as well. Let's pray together, and uh, then we're going to have... Oh, by the way, we're going to pass out some birthday cake because we don't want this sticking around. Last year, none of y'all ate the birthday cake, so we're going to give it to you, and you've got to do something with it. So after I pray, they're going to hand out the birthday cake. You've got to either look at it or do something with it. Let's pray together. Father, I just want to thank you for my family, New Life Community Church who really are closer to me than my blood relatives. And I thank you, God, that that we have a church of grace-dispensing people. And God, we just ask you to be in control. You've been with us through five years of ups and downs. God, we look forward to what you're going to do in the next five years. You've not been surprised by anything that's happened. You already know what's going to happen in the next five years. The problem is we don't. And where we get in trouble is when we jump ahead of you or when we disregard your instructions to us. So I just pray that, that these next five years we see an explosion of, of your power demonstrated in our lives. And that, that the fame of the Lord God who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will not only be proclaimed in New Life Community Church, but will flow through all of the folks who attend here to reach out to people who face a Christless eternity so that at our 10-year birthday, we are utterly amazed at what you've done. Pray that you bless us now and that you protect those of us foolish enough to go to the lake today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, here's your assignment. Five years ago, what was your marital status? What was your, where, what were you doing? 2002, where were you? What were you doing? Marital status, married not? Did you have children not? Did you have a different job? Were you living in a different place? Those are the type of things. Five years ago, what was going on in your life? Find a partner and share that with them. Ready, set, go. Two years, yeah, two years is fine. All right, next question. Five years, yeah, we were saying that's not that long ago, but dude, five years ago. Five years ago, I was building cow pens and sweeping building floors. Okay, next question. How, how did you come to new life? What brought you to new life? 
All right, that's the first question. Second question is, why do you keep coming to New Life? What brought you? How did you get to New Life the first time? What keeps you coming back if you've been here more than once? Ready, set, go. There's a, there's a team, a Sunday team, that meets every week, and we plan out series, and we plan out different things. That team thought that, uh, that an, interview, an interview with uh, Doug and Janie might be in order, simply because, let me, let me show you this. How many of you were here five years ago? Okay, we're about to show you. Um, Y'all came very quickly. Was it a full year? Y'all visited once early on, but then, then a year. Yeah, a year later is when you joined. That's right. So, okay, again, show me who was here five years ago. My son, Ashley, Janie. Yeah, that's it. Okay. So we're going to tell you a little bit about how New Life came to be, and uh, here we go. All right. Okay. Um, well, first of all, I guess it would be neat to hear uh, just y'all's background, you and Janie both, um, kind of what brought y'all to Palestine and... Just some different things like that. Uh, Did you always want to start a church? No, heavens no. Um. <laughs> and you wanted to be a preacher's wife growing up, right? No, she didn't want to marry a preacher. <laughs> Tell what you, what you wanted to marry. Um, you know I always wanted to marry you. <laughs> but uh, I always thought that God had laid it on my heart when I was a, a young girl that I was going to marry a staff that person. I didn't. Specifically, she told me youth minister. Maybe that, has that changed? Okay. <laughs> I think I think now looking back, it was because when she was 15, that's when we met. I was 19 and I wouldn't pay a whole lot of attention to her. But then when she got into college, I went, hey. And uh, we dated on and off. And, and she, that whole time though, when we met at 15, she decided she was going to marry me. She told her best friend at youth camp, I'm going to marry that guy. And so, um, maybe seven years. Maybe that's why. That's why she was going to marry a staff member because she's uh, anyway. And I'm glad she did. I'm glad she was smarter than me. Um, that she she waited seven years. So, um, I I was in youth ministry when we met. Uh, continued in youth ministry, I guess, she until her senior year in college. That's when when we got serious and and I proposed to her on her birthday. Um, we got married. I was in Austin. She was in, in uh, Huntsville at Sam Houston State. We moved, moved to Arlington to be youth minister there. And uh, one, we got married. Let's see, I moved. 
You, you came in a couple weeks later, moved your stuff in, we got married, went on honeymoon, and then went to youth camp. Two weeks later. Um, that is not the way to start a marriage, uh, going to youth camp. So anyway, from there I finished seminary, and then uh, Southside Baptist Church here in town uh, called me to be their youth minister back in 1995. That's what got us to Palestine. Okay, so you'd had about, what well, you said, 19 years of youth ministry experience. Okay, and then all of a sudden you just out of nowhere decided to start a church? Or I remember you talked about you went to like a conference um, and saw that you could do youth ministry differently and you tried it and you liked it and then you thought maybe adults. What happened was we were sitting in a conference in Chicago, Illinois, and uh, praise God, Janie went with me because the pastor started sharing about a way to do church that I'd never experienced before. What, what he said was, uh, you know, he started off, he said, you've never looked into the eyes of a person who does not matter to God. And we started driving around Chicago. We'd go to a gas station, and I would think, that person matters to God. And I, I would, uh, you know, the, the hotel we stayed at, the people at the front desk, I'd think, that person matters to God. And I'd never, in all my years it being in, in a Baptist church, I had never heard anybody say that. And so as the conference went on, I just started writing stuff down feverishly. And Janie said she was glad she was there because um, she understood what was going on. And she saw when, when God really spoke to me about this whole idea of doing church um, a different way. And, uh, sorry, I got distracted. Let's go ahead and just pass those down if you got them. What? We can't eat and listen at the same time? Well, no, they were just... They, okay, that's good. Uh, so what happened was we came back and in our youth ministry totally changed the way we did youth ministry. We started going actively after lost people instead of just trying to keep people who already knew Christ in the pen because that's what I had been trained to do. It's like sheep in a pen and you want to keep... Keep the sheep you already got in the pen. If they get too close to the fence, don't go there. You know, that type of deal. It's a, it's a list of do's and don'ts for the sheep that are in the pen. I'd never had the idea that you could, you could go after sheep outside the pen. And I never understood that that's what the Bible says. So we started doing that in youth ministry. We started doing a once-a-month deal called Student Impact where we would have four to 500 students on a Saturday night. Craziest thing you've ever seen. First time we did it, we packed out the room we were in, so much so that if the, the fire marshal had come, he would have shut us down immediately. And uh, went back to the pastor and said, we've got to have the worship center. And anyway, we started doing it in the worship center. And, and we would have anywhere from 15, I think the most we ever had was 96 students pray to receive Christ on a Saturday night in Palestine, Texas. And people would go, no way. We can't believe that. Well, you know what we did? It was fun. <laughs> We gave them food, and we told them about Jesus. And I said, if this works for teenagers, why can't we do a church like that for adults? And so the idea kind of was birthed back in 1998, but we didn't start the church until 2002. And one of the things I heard you say from the get-go was uh, that you were trying to build a church for people who hate church. And that's something that you, you never think of. A lot of. I think a lot of churches are thinking, let's take care of what we have. But right. intentionally this church was designed, and you said that earlier today, in fact, to go after people who are far from God, people who are not, who are not involved in church, who do not like church, or who even say, I don't like God. And we right. welcome those people and those questions, because right. at one point we were all those people. <laughs> right. That's what the Bible says. We were all just terrible sinners before we came to Christ. And so we've, we've said from the beginning that, that we are going to look for those people 
that nobody else um, really wants, and we're going to build a church for them. And so we tell people, when you join our church, this church isn't for you. You, you are the church. This church was built for people who aren't here. And when we get that idea and we, and we go after people who aren't here, I think God is honored. And I think God blesses our church for that. Um, okay, so y'all made a decision to start a church around two, late, uh, middle 2002 or so, somewhere around there. And I guess y'all, you, you resigned from your job, correct? And then y'all launched a church based off of all the money you had saved up your entire life. As a youth minister. As a youth yeah. minister. Okay, Janie, Janie, tell us about that, how, that, how you felt. Because you had little hens in your yeah. house, right? Yes. Uh, the kids were little. Um, we didn't have a job. It was um, a crazy time in our life. And I'd always kept it to myself. I, I really want to have a job, you know. We really need a job. And, uh, and one of my big concerns was if we do this, we're not going to have any money. We have, we'll have nothing. Nothing, and Hannah was in diapers, and my kids weren't going to stay this big forever, and winter was going to come, you know, and I was thinking, we need coats and shoes and food, and so um, money was a big issue with me, and I finally told that to Doug, I said, my big hang-up is no income, and he just was, really? Yeah, because <laughs> his face was bigger than mine, I guess. But that was my big hang-up was paying the bills, having a house to live in for my babies, because they were babies back then. Okay, and so I guess uh, we actually have a picture um, of when we first started. Drew, if you'll pop that up there. Um, we Actually, you can see there it says uh, Saturday at 6 o'clock. We, when we first started, we met on Saturday nights. Met on Saturdays. We did that intentionally because we said, uh, let's not go for the people that, that you know meet Sundays at 11. We met Saturday nights, and uh, we actually ran an ad. Is that next? I think so. Well, it's not next, but there's one that says, yeah, there's yeah, one there's, we met. We met in the old Rounders, which is now um, Alltel and something else. Uh, that's where we met. This is our first, very first service. Uh, coincidentally, on your wedding anniversary, we I did Alex and Danielle's wedding, and they decided to hang around that day before going on their honeymoon so they could go be at the first service. I think we counted 22 people there the, the first week, and it was less the next week. And um, so we really did a good job. <laughs> and that, go ahead and put up the next one, Drew. We actually ran ads in the movie theater for a while, and this is one of them. Yeah, I like sleeping in on Sundays, so do we. Um, I got hammered for this from people who claim to be Christians. Now, non-Christians thought it was the coolest thing they'd ever seen, but Christian people... I actually had one, one neighbor stop me in the yard and tell me how bad this was, that we were leading people away from the church and all this stuff, and they were doing everything they could to get people in their church. And Somehow God allowed me to keep my tongue because, no, they're not. <laughs> um, but we got hammered for, for meeting on Saturday nights and doing something that was, that was different. Okay, so after, after about six months... Um of meeting in that building. We met there rent-free. The person who owned it, they just said meet. There was a God thing. They said rent, meet rent-free, so uh, we were greatly pleased. And yeah. I guess real quick back to you, Janie. During those six months, did your children eat? Yes. <laughs> they ate, and they ate well because God provided. It was just amazing. We would get uh, money from checks in the mail and money. We would get food on our doorstep, laundry detergent on our doorstep so we were clean also <laughs> clean and fed uh, we didn't have a lot of extras but 
for the basics, we definitely had. Well, sometime during that period, I think it was right after we'd started the church or right before, I don't remember the exact timing, we had somebody come to our house for a Bible study, and after everybody, everybody left, and we thought, okay, you know, time to go to bed, because we always have to clean up afterwards, and it was messy. And they drove around the block and came back and said, we want to talk to you. And I'm like, oh, great, because usually, you know, that's bad news if somebody says, we need to talk. And uh, we sat around our kitchen table, and they slid a check across to us for $2,000. And I just went, oh. I was going, house payment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm praising God, she was paying bills. Uh, but it was stuff like that that blew our minds. There, was, there were two months that the church couldn't pay us anything. And uh, an individual... Back then, my, my office was in a computer shop. An individual walked in and said, what's that dude doing over there in the corner? And uh, uh, Daniel said, well, he's the pastor of church. And he, he, he leaves, comes back, and he said, well, my wife and I like to support pastors. Here's $1,000. So two different times, this guy don't, walks in. That was me. You can just tell me. It was not him. I didn't know the guy at this point. Two different times they gave $1,000. That was all we got for that month because the church didn't have the money. And again, we're just we're in awe going, uh, okay, God, you are much bigger than we are. And, and we like that. Someone, yeah, someone bought us winter clothes for the kids, coats and everything. One time a, a, a family came and stocked our, our pantry. I mean, to overflowing. Even bought us Tide. You know how expensive Tide is. <laughs> <laughs> Tide. Tide. Not Sam's Choice. Not Great Sam's value. Choice. Tide. Tide. We got our first DVD player. It was, it was hanging on the garage door when we came home one day. We movie tickets. Right? Yeah, movie tickets. We would get uh, Walmart gift cards. There would be envelopes in the, in the joy basket. Envelopes in there, and it'd either be cash or it'd be Walmart gift cards, and just unbelievable stuff happened every week um, that that we just were like going, "Okay, God, we get it. You're in control." So after six months, we we moved. We had to move out of there, and we moved into a nice worship center church facility. Yes, here is the picture of it. Photo five, Drew, bring it up for us. We met in the computer shop. Computer shop. Um, you see that door over there to the right? That was my office. The drums were stuck back in that hallway. Uh, every week, we would have to take down all the computer stuff and put up the church stuff. So um, that's where we met, and we met there for a year. Right, about a year or so. Um, and I guess at this point, we've been going for about a year. How was the church doing? I mean, was it growing? Were you? Yeah, the church was, was growing slowly but surely. What's, what's kind of wild, though, is uh, Stan and Ann Sokolowski, they're members here now and, and very uh, involved in our church. They actually said they would like to measure the distance from where we were meeting. Even though we had a banner up on the outside of this building, they were less than a quarter of a mile from our church and never knew where we were. And they said, we would have given anything to have known you were there because they didn't find a church for over a year. And then they actually came to our church. Uh, somebody that doesn't even go here said, you ought to try that church. So they came, loved it, stayed, and, and we're grateful that they did. It was growing slowly, but you see, you know, that, that's a decent crowd. Yeah. That was Mother's Day, though. That was Mother's Day. That whole back row is 
Oh. And I think we did. Yeah. Didn't we do baby dedication? That was baby yeah. dedication that We day. would coordinate events to get as many people as we could to feel better about ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> and, and back then, you see the children that are in there? That made it feel like a bigger crowd. But back then, the kids would leave after the music service. So sometimes it's like me and Alex, and I'm preaching to Alex, you know, and um, a bunch of empty chairs. And so it was, a, it was a tough time, even though we'd been in it a year. Finances were a little better, but usually... Usually there was just enough money just enough. in the checking account to pay us and to pay bills, and then we were back to zero. Yeah. And, you know, we'd just go, okay, God, we need a couple of good offerings, and, you know, stuff would, would happen, and we never did. We never did go in, into debt. We never took out loans, never went in the red, but we were at zero a number of times. Now, somewhere around this year marker, um, we had a couple of folks um, who had started the church with us, uh, within the span of two, three, four months, they left the church um, just for different reasons. Uh, no scandal or anything like that was involved, but just God called them to different places. Um, how? And some of those guys you were actually, uh, those families you were close with, right? You'd been meeting with some, some of them. There were a group of five men. I was one of them. We met on a weekly basis. We would, we would do a Bible study together. We would share our hearts. You were, you were one of them. Um, he's the only one still left. Um, some of my closest friends in the world that we would meet on a weekly basis, have coffee, sometimes breakfast, we would pray together, and just just encourage each other. In a span of, of probably six weeks, uh, all three families left. And uh, I honestly thought my heart would explode. I would, I would cry myself to sleep at night. Uh, Alex and Danielle came over and watched the kids one night so that Janie and I could drive out. We've done a lot of stuff at Lower Lake. Uh, that's where we decided to start the church, was praying at Lower Lake. We went to Lower Lake that night and, and just wept um, because I really thought my heart would explode. Because, you know, I, I see now, I look back and I see that they, they needed to go and it was the right thing. And I'd even given them permission to go if they needed to. But it didn't make it easy because you're, you're thinking... Wow, if my friends don't stay, who, who am I ever going to reach? Mm -hmm. And uh, that was a tough time. Yeah. Jenny, how, I mean, how, obviously each week Doug's the person on stage, and you're not on stage, but I'm sure yeah. you still take some of this to heart. How was oh, that? Oh, yeah, it was hard seeing him just in tears. It's hard for me to talk about it. But seeing your friends leave and... And it's okay if, if they leave, but it, it still hurts. And it hurt him. And what people don't realize is, um, unless, unless you've been on staff, and specifically if you've been a pastor, this is my life. Now, I do other things. You know, I mow lawns on the side, and I do other things. That's not my life. I can give that up in a heartbeat. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, when, but when people leave, and, and I don't, it doesn't matter who it is whether it's my best friend or whether it's somebody that just comes occasionally, I feel it. Um, Paul, in the Bible, he says, you know, if sin happens, he says, it crushes me. And I know exactly, you know, how he feels, what, what we're dealing with now, but, but also when people leave. And, and it's okay for people to leave if God calls you. That's, that's what I always tell people. If God's called you somewhere else, go! We release you! If you stay here and God's called you to another place, you're hurting two churches. You're hurting the church you should be at, and you're hurting us because you're being disobedient to God. But what I always tell people is make sure that God has called you. 
because he's the one you answer to, not to me. Um, but anyway, that was a that was an unbearably painful time. And what happened was, every time we went on vacation, somebody left. Yeah. So we got to where we wouldn't go on vacation. Anymore. We actually did not go on vacation for a year because we were too afraid to leave. Yeah. Because somebody something else was bad was going to happen. Have y'all gotten better about that? As far as we leave all the time. Okay. Now. Uh, now in that in that span, I guess when it was kind of getting pretty rocky there, about a year and a half point, did you guys ever think it's it's not worth it? Let's try something different. Yeah, there were there were several times that I just told her, "Let's quit. I can't do it. I can't." survive this. Um, sometimes on a weekly basis, I would, I would drive home and say, I can't do it. And I would be quitting to God. I'd be giving God my resignation speech. How'd he uh, take it? Uh, he wouldn't let me. He took it fine, but he said, no, you're not. Because what we started thinking was, what do we do? If we quit, what do we do? <laughs> Thank you, Jamie. Jamie said we let everybody else down. But, but seriously, if, if I quit and, and God has called me to do this, see, that's where it always went back to was the call. God called us to do this. We, we have it written down in our prayer journals, the whole process. And so I kept going back there and saying, God, you called. You said stay. I'm going to stay. So we did. And sometimes that was all that kept us. That, that was it, just knowing that, that God had called us. That was... That was what we stood on, and so we kept on. And that's, I think that's one of the things that's hard for us to do, um, is to act, act based, on, based on facts and not based on feelings. Um, I mean, we've talked about that recently even, in just some of the series we've done, is that you fast forward and you say, what, what has God told me to do? Um, I don't feel like doing that now, but, I mean, other than Kayla and Ashley, nobody else would be in this building if you guys had acted off of feelings. And that's something we need to in our own lives. I mean, all of us aren't starting a church, but we all have decisions we have to make. And we have to base them off of what we know to be true versus what we feel to be true at the time. Okay, so those were happy times. And then uh, we then we actually did get to this building. Uh, there's a picture there, Drew, uh, somewhere around picture six, I think. Uh, and that's, this is what this building, this room looked like when Look we first started. Look around this room. Uh, there were walls right here and right there. There was. This was an office. There were walls all the way down there. So the, every post, that was, those were Sunday school classrooms. Um, and so we, uh, we took that. All of the sheetrock you see is new. There was no insulation up here, and as well as no insulation in the wall in any of these, these walls on these three floors. And um, <laughs> there's the insulation man right there. You see him. And, and uh, it literally almost killed me renovating this area. I mean, I was here nonstop. I wasn't seeing Janie and the kids. In, in fact, uh, some folks in the church called me over one night and said, why are you doing this? Why are you killing yourself? I said, because God, we agreed as a church. We prayed for 10 days, came back as a church. We agreed as a church to move in this building. And so I said, the sooner we get in the building, you know, the sooner we start reaching new folks. And, and uh, there were many times I was the only person here. We'd have a sign-up sheet to do the work. There were so many times I was the only person here, and it was discouraging. Brought Caleb a couple of times. We tore out the, the ceiling down in the nursery together. Caleb, Caleb's like a man now, but he was like eight back then. So yeah. it's not even, you know. Yeah, he was seven. When yeah. we started, he was seven, and I'm bringing him, making him get on the ladder and pull down stuff. And, Sledgehammer. Oh, he liked that. He liked knocking down walls and stuff. So that, that, that phase from years one to two, 
of the first five were probably some of the hardest, I guess, is what I've heard y'all say. Yeah, and, and if we could have quit, we would Okay, and so then once, once we got this building kind of, and we started meeting here, um, as far as physically, numbers-wise, we did start seeing um, some growth, and we started doing things as far as in the community, reaching out. One of them, like we did like a, a gas buy-down. Talk about that. I, I think we have a picture of that. Yeah. yeah, we just, I was in a, by this time, I started learning all the things I should have learned two years before, you know, and how to do church and how to start a church. So we started doing some things in the community. One of the things we did was a gasoline buy-down at Kroger. We, uh, we purchased a 25-cent discount per gallon, and uh, we did it Sunday morning at 11 a.m. because Again, we, don't, we didn't want, the, we didn't we want, want Christians to get gas. Right. Um, you know, they were at church, so <laughs> we, weren't, we weren't at all interested in, in giving gas free to Christians. So we, were, we had a blast. We would hand out these little cards, and it was called a Small Act of Kindness, A Whole World of Difference. And people were blown away. Some of the best conversations we've had were standing around gas pumps because we would pump it for them. If they would let us, we'd clean their windshields. It was an absolute blast. And it caused people to say, why are you doing this? And we actually did some interviews. Somewhere we have some, some tape back then. And, we, and I asked one guy, I'll never forget, I asked one guy, I said, um, he said, why are you doing this? And I said, because, you know, God has given to us, and so we're giving to others. And by the way, we, weren't, we didn't have a lot of money back then. Um, so, unlike now. Unlike now, where we have lots of money. Uh, but I think we spent about $1,000 just on this event. Um, you know, there had been about 4,000 gallons that we, we purchased a, 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 a discount on. And I said to the guy, I said, have you ever heard of a church giving away money instead of asking for money? He goes, no. You know, just he was blown away, and so we had all kinds of interviews with people, and, and that was one of the things we did. We have another picture. Uh, yeah, well, one of the things that we've, and you said this from oh. the beginning, is our church is made up of people who mess up, um, and and one of the things we've never shied away from is talking about our mess ups publicly. Um, one of the things we interviewed um, Jason and Danae, uh, and because they had struggles in their life growing up. Yeah, we we actually did a service called Real Church uh, back in November, and we said, real people, real problems, real answers. And this, this was where we were talking about pornography. And Jason shared openly and honestly that he struggled with pornography. We, we talked to Danae about how that made her feel. And, and uh, we, just, we said, there is, there is nothing that's going to be taboo in our church. Um, we talk about sex. We talk about pornography. Um, we have another picture where we interviewed some folks that struggled with money. Um, this was an interview with Wes and Jen, and, and they were like $20,000 in debt. And this, we're not talking car debt. We're not talking those types. You know, this is... This is Waterburger debt. Um, Waterburger debt, yeah. Because <laughs> Wes got a credit card in college. He said the easiest thing he ever got, and then Waterburger took credit cards. Taco so. Bell. Taco, Taco Bell. Bell. Okay, Taco but Bell. I think, I think looking back, I think that's some of the... the so those are some of the best received services we've had um, because... Like, like I said, we're open because um, there's a lot of churches that they hide things. They hide when there's issues. Um, but And even coming back to what we're going through right now and next Sunday, rather than sweeping stuff under the rug by bringing it out into the open, that's where, where we give a chance for, for restoration. Um, do you have anything? No? No. Okay, great. Next question. Um, I guess at, at this point, um, you guys started feeling like this, this thing's going to be here in a few months, a few years, next year. Jamie, how did you feel, I guess, at this point? Um, J- 
just with the church and, and your kids haven't been in the church a couple of years, yeah. I mean, did you start to feel a little bit more like would there would be clean clothes? There would be clean clothes. And, uh, yeah, I started to feel like this thing's taking now. It's, it wasn't such a struggle week after week to, to make it, to show up and be there and do everything and people are stepping up and volunteering and filling in the gap and uh, just start feeling like things are starting to happen and I think we're going to be okay. And, and a lot of times uh, preacher's kids specifically get, mm-hmm. get a bad rap just because they grow up in a church where their dad is constantly up there all the time mm-hmm. and, and really neglects the family. Um, that, how has Doug done that? Doug's I mean, done an excellent job. He has always put us first. He always makes time for us. And we know that there are times when Dad's busy and we need to give him his space. And so we let him have his space. But uh, our kids have done amazingly well. They come up here and help. There are times when, you know, they're up here shoveling the junk up off the floor. They're sweeping the stairs, you know, cleaning the stairs and doing things that grown-ups should be doing. But our kids who are 7, 10, and 12 are doing. And, um, but they love it. They love our church. They are sad when they can't be here. If they're homesick, they're crying because they can't be here. Uh, I miss church. I'm sad. Uh, but they love this place. They love it. Um, so since they love it, I mean, do you guys love it at this point? Or have you gotten to the point where you like it each week? <laughs> we, um, what keeps me going now, even through tough times, is I start seeing your faces Mm -hmm. and I think about what God is doing in your lives Mm -hmm. and I think about how some of you got here y'all shared earlier how you got here and there is such an unbelievable maze of how God brought this group of people here Uh, and and so there are many times I'll lay down at night and, and I see your faces and I go oh God thank you for that person thank you for what you're doing thank you for bringing them into our lives and allowing us to learn from them. Um, it, it, what, what keeps us going is when we see the light go on above your heads and, and we see you take a step towards Christ and we go, oh, that's, that makes it worth it. And, and so, yeah, we, we're at the point now that we've always loved the church, but we, we see so much more of God's activity in your lives that, that it's just you know, kind of heaping joy upon joy. We still have struggles, um, but we but we have so many more victories that we look at, and those victories just just are icing on the cake. Now, specifically, not if New Life for some reason had to close. Technically, for some reason, it just shut down. Um, are are you committed to New Life, or are you committed to this idea that that God called you to of a church that that reaches people far from God? Would you be willing to move somewhere else and try this, or are you just like, well, if I can't do it in Palestine, I guess I tried. Now, we've talked about this. If, if New Life were to close its doors, we've got to sell the house. We've got to go somewhere else and do it again. Um, because this is God's call on, on my life. We go back to our prayer journal. It's real clear. We are supposed to build a church like this. And so the cost to us, if, if New Life doesn't make it, the cost to us is everything that we've done over the past 12 years that we've been in Palestine. House, everything. We, we, we pack up and move and start over. And you would do that? No laundry detergent? You would just <laughs> I'd go? I'd pack it up and go. I mean, 
And that's the, she wouldn't do that just to follow me. She's the type that she would do that. But she knows we would have to go. We got to do what God's called us to do. It's it's that important. As um, much as I want my kids to have a home to come home to, you know, when they go away, uh, grow up and leave. As much as I want that home for them, I would give it up and start over. Okay, well, let's say we keep going then. Um, yeah. For, let's, um, so if we come back here in about in five more years, and it's the 10-year anniversary, what would you, what do you see for us? What I've been praying since we came into this building is that God would give us land where we could build our own building. Um, I don't know where that's going to be. I drive around all the time. I look at other buildings. I look at land. I pray constantly. When I wake up in the middle of the night, I say, God, when are you going to give us land? I believe he's going to do it. I just don't know when. Five years, my dream would be we have, uh, we have land in a good location, a building that seats four to five hundred, um, a children's area, a nursery area, and uh, youth. youth area. Yeah. Um, but but that, we, that we have all of that. And, and that, that God has just expanded our ministry. One of the things we pray is, God, increase our territory. Increase our, our effectiveness, our, our influence in Palestine. Um, with the current level of, of attendees and commitment, can we get there? Or do we as members, do we need to do anything? Or in five years, will this stuff just show up? Okay, I think we got a... Wes is up here. He was there five years ago. Um, so we now have five people in this room that were here five years ago. And you see what you see what has happened with five people. And there's a few more downstairs. If, if we could somehow transfer that level of commitment, that level, level of ownership of the church from, from those original five to this group, there is no reason that we shouldn't be packing out that type of building in five years. But it, it's going to take this group of people stepping the next level of commitment. Some of, that, some of you it's church membership, some of you it's, it's serving, some of you it's giving. Um, but, but with this group, Jesus started off with 12 and actually only 11 of them. You know, cause yeah, don't feel bad. Prayer. I mean, even he had right. some guys drop out. So. <laughs> well, yeah, at one point, most of his disciples left him and and he looks at Peter and he says, you're going to leave too? And Peter said, where are we going to go? That's what we have said. If we don't do this, God, what are we going to do? Where are we going to go? So if, if, this, if, if you folks said, man, I, I want to be a part of a church that rocks Palestine and Anderson County, then we get there in five years. Okay. Um, I think that's it. Are we done? Take your registration cards if you would. And Wait, I'm gonna before, before we do that, we do have a present for Doug and Janie. Um, since you said you used to not go on vacation, but now you do go on vacation, we got you a two-night getaway at a uh, bed and breakfast. Woo! Uh, and everybody promises not to leave while you're gone for the Yeah, you cannot leave while you're gone for those two days. Um, it's here in Palestine. <laughs> At my house. Yeah, Wes lives next door now, so our kids will go next door and see that works real well. Um, here's what I want you to do with your registration card. Um, fill out the front and then on the back, 
I don't know if you even...